mindset, performance, science, transforming communication, perspective, and boundaries. Welcome to the Redefining Success Show with Aaron Jewell, a Thrive Global Top 10 Coach of 2021. And now, here's your host, Aaron Jewell. All right. Greetings. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. I am very excited to introduce today's guest. And those of you who are listening consistently to the show know that I get pretty excited every single time I I have a guest to meet with on the Redefined Success Show. But what I am in particular excited about today is the fact that Holly Kaplan has a very similar uh, journey and story to myself. Holly Kaplan is a female empowerment author and confidence career coach. And as she climbed the corporate ladder over 20 years, she learned that advancing meant tolerating certain types of narcissistic behavior in the workplace. This drove Holly to write a book titled Surviving the Dick Click. Yes, you heard it right. A Girl's Guide to Surviving the Male-Dominated Corporate World. For her most, it is her most recent work related, uh, sorry, for her most recent work, related articles can be found in Fox Business Inc. and Fast Company, as well as Cosmopolitan. Holly resides in Dallas, Texas. And you know, when I met Holly, when we were connected and she shared parts of her story with me, I felt instantly empowered by her energy. I felt completely inspired by her passion and sense of purpose. And, you know, Holly is really, in in my assessment, a pioneer for what is to come in the healthcare sector and beyond. And it's all around expression and it's all around embracing the authentic leadership journey. So with that, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome, Holly. Well, thank you for having me. It's great to be here with you. So Holly, let's dive right in. Let's start off with some of those pieces and parts of your leadership and human journey that you think may be important or helpful to share as we get into our conversation today. And and also including in that, Holly, any milestones that really served as catalysts for shifts in perspective. Right, right, for sure. Well, I was groomed, Erin, to go into corporate America. That's what I was taught when I was a kid. My parents were like, you're gonna graduate from LSU, and God willing, I did, because I had a really good time there, but I knew. (laughs) That's another talk show. Um, I knew that I would go into corporate America and I knew I would be in sales. I just didn't know what industry I was going to go into. So that was just, I knew that was going to be my destiny. But I think my first milestone um, was selling long distance. (laughs) That was my first outside sales job. Selling long distance, business to business. It was for a British company called Cable and Wireless. and. Um, I used to cold call and telemarket and get thrown out of buildings. I'm going way back now to like the early nineties when you could still do that kind of stuff. And that was my first milestone that really shaped me and gave me the chutzpah to know that I could do that in a different industry and be successful at it. So that is where I really thickened my skin, got tough, learned a lot about sales and um, built my resiliency for sure. Wow. So, okay. So it sounds like it was a pretty straightforward journey. You were taught to kind of go in a certain direction. It became important for you to develop certain characteristics. You said, uh, thicken the skin. Can you tell us a little more, more about what that means for you? 
when you're 23 years old and you've been told to go into an office building in Houston, Texas with a card selling long distance, the doors are going to get shut on you. (laughs) I thought it was the coolest job ever, but you learn that you just got to go with it because you're going to find somebody who's going to say, yes, you have to be persistent. And that is what I was able to bring over into pharmaceutical and medical device sales because you have to stay persistent. It's the same thing. I just came out of long distance, super tough, ready to roll. So I give, I credit selling long distance to my career in medical device sales. So tell us a little more about your career in medical device sales. You, you stepped into it. You had these capabilities, these characteristics and qualities, this thickened skin that really served you. As you were going through that part of your career at that time, did you ever have a sense or feel like maybe something was missing or maybe there were there were parts of you that weren't being developed or cultivated or, or at the time, was that not something that you, you really saw? That's a great question because there's two parts to that. I went into pharmaceutical sales first. Actually, I worked for a company that was involved in vision care without saying the name. And they were great about handling men and women in their sales force. They were very, uh, very organized, very well-planned, well-known organization. They really had a strong, strong platform and they knew what they were doing. When I got into the medical device field, that's when I felt the shift. And we're going back 20 years ago. That's when I felt the shift. And that's where I saw the differences of men and women. It wasn't you could see that the higher you went, the more men there were. And back then, I didn't really think much of it. I was just doing my job and I loved it. And I had a great boss at the time. His name is Todd. He was super. So I was just doing what I thought I was supposed to do. Kept my nose down, went to cases, was selling different medical devices. And I just, I was working on developing myself at the time. When I got into management is when I saw the significant change. Interesting. So what are some of the differences that really started to show up for you when you entered in those, those management roles? Um, I was the first female sales manager at the organization, which was great. I was really proud of that. Um, and I was surrounded by a lot of great men, like men that were really supportive and kind and welcomed me. And, and, um, they were, they were my, they were my allies. Um, I did notice that at certain meetings, maybe a quarterly business review or a national sales meeting, that at that level, the communication between the managers, the male managers, was different than how I communicated with other people. Like if you're talking about a sales rep, let's say you're at your quarterly business review and you're talking about your salespeople, well, instead of instead of really highlighting what they're good at. It was more about what they're bad at. And, and they would jokingly talk to each other about, well, I'm going to tell him if he doesn't hit his number, he's going to go pound salt. He's going to have to go pound salt. I don't talk that way. I don't present my people that way, you know? And so that was one of the first differences I noticed. I didn't understand the bullish way of approaching things. Um, so as I integrated myself in the management team, I started to do the same things because I was like, okay, this must be it. This must be how we're supposed to lead. This must be how I'm supposed to talk. Even though it doesn't feel right, that's what was missing, Erin, because it didn't feel right, but I was going along with it because that's what I was surrounded with. 
You know, so, yeah, go ahead. Well, it's, it's what inspired me to write my book, Surviving the Dick Click, because I became a dick. I did. <laughs> because I thought that I thought that that's what I was supposed to do. And I know it sounds naive, but I thought I was supposed to treat everybody else the same way and use the fear tactics and the bullying tactics because it was happening to me from upper level management. So I was starting to do it to others because that was the culture. And so what, what, how do you feel that was received from peers and from direct reports and from leaders? Were you ever, ever able to observe the perceptions of others or receive any feedback about it? I did not, but I think it was expected. I think the behavior was expected. So you never received any feedback saying, hey, you know, is this really you? Is this you being your authentic self? None of that. No, I did not. I did not. Um, not from my sales team, not from upper level management. And at the time when you entered into these sales management roles, did you feel, you said you were primarily surrounded by men. So did you feel like you, would you say that you found it ultimately easier to work with men than women after some time in those roles? Or is that not something you really touched base with? Um, I worked well with the men that were side by side with me. Yeah. In my previous life, I worked well with women who were side by side with me. Um, I, I'm, I'm able to work well with both. Uh, I think the challenge came in with the, the upper level management team and the culture that was there. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. There's um, a study that talks about women more than ever. And, and what you're talking about is 20, you know, in the last 10 to 20 years. And, and there, this publication was around 2017. And it talked about women now than ever wanting to see other women take leadership roles. And those same women continue to prefer to work and report into men, work with men, report into men. And, um, you know, it's, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Why do you think that might be? Are you looking to increase leadership competence and trustworthiness on your team? Do you see more opportunities to build rapport and a sense of community on your team? Are you challenged with completely trusting yourself and your team as a leader? Book a call today with Erin Jewell Consulting to learn more about the PACE Signature System. PACE, an acronym for Perspective, Alignment, communication, and equanimity is designed to increase a sense of community and trustworthiness on your team to improve outcomes and drive the successful results you know that you and your team are capable of. All in six months. Go to erinjewelconsulting.com forward slash bookings for a free consult and enjoy. Oh my gosh, that's a great, another great question. I think it's an innate competition, competitiveness that women feel that is related to the ego. And I say, we got to get over it. I hired women. I was one of the first managers to, to assertively hire women because I would interview them and think they were great for the job. And I got criticized. I got criticized openly for hiring women. They said, oh, you're the chick team. I'm like, because I've, I've hired 
four women out of nine reps. Now I'm the chick team, but it wasn't being done before. So, um, which is another conversation, but, um, I, I think that's something we have to work on together to overcome it and bring more women in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many angles to this, you know, and, and, um, you know, that it's, it's something to keep in mind because, you know, you were groomed to emulate men, right? Yeah. Like so mm-hmm. many other women have been. So what happens when all of a sudden we're surrounded by women, when we've been groomed to emulate men, and perhaps right. we're surrounded by other women who have been groomed to emulate men. And, and maybe in the workplace, we form uh, a clique or, you know, a yeah. community of so, the women that em- emulate the men, right? But there's still that missing piece that's happening across the board, which is, are women feeling comfortable to show up authentically in the workplace? And, and really, are men you know, how many men are out there that aren't comfortable with that kind of more bullish approach and maybe have a tendency toward more allowance and more presence and more strengths-based coaching and things like that, right? Right. Right. I think they're both experiencing it because after I wrote the book, I had both men and women come to me and say, I was thinking the same thing. I just didn't know how to say it. And I didn't want to put, I didn't want to put my job in jeopardy. I'm like, well, I just basically threw a Molotov cocktail on mine <laughs> because I spoke out about these things that nobody wanted to say. They're both feeling it. So tell us more about the book. Tell us more about what, what your process was and your journey was for, and we, I think we've, we've heard about the inspiration, but what did it take for you to have the, the diligence and the commitment and the courage to write a book that in a way is revealing some of the um, untalked about secrets of the workplace. Mm -hmm. I started journaling because when I would come home from those meetings, I was telling you about earlier, if something didn't feel right, Aaron, I would write about it. I would make notes like that exchange was awkward or I saw this happen to somebody. So after a while I had a guide. After a while, I was like, wait, I've got all these journal entries of what happened. They're all different. And um, if I'm going through this as a female in the medical device field, there are other women who are going to come up also and face the same challenges. If I don't write it and talk about it, then what was it worth? Right? To me, I had to talk about it. And I was like, and I'm going to call it surviving the dick click. Great job. My parents hated it. Everyone said, don't name it that that's a bad idea. Call it women in business. I'm like, if you just call it women in business, whatever. This is like about a culture that I lived in for a while. And um, I think other people needed to hear it and see it because if they go through it too, they'll say, that's what she was talking about. That's how I handle that situation. So I was inspired by the journaling and I was inspired by the fact that other women would be facing the same challenges. So can you give us an example from the book. Can you give us an example of a situation that you survived that you were able to eventually, um, or even in retrospect, you were able to think differently about something that is related to being in that male dominated culture. Right. Well, one of my favorite examples is, um, a meeting I attended in Northern California, um, after one of our most stellar quarters ever, our reps blew it out. They made more money. We made the company money. Everybody was really happy and amazed. And it was just really good feeling. But I knew 
that we went to this meeting to review our numbers, that it would not be met with celebration, that it would be met with another way to make us feel bad about ourselves and strive for more and strive for more. So um, beginning of this meeting, the head of the organization is at the head of the table. And instead of saying, great job, you guys blew it out. We're so proud of you. He leans in and says, who are we going to fire today? Like, who are we going to fire? What are we talking about? We just blew it out. You guys, we gave you guys what you wanted. But instead, they had us each stand up and rank our teams individually from top to bottom. Who was the best? Who was the worst? Whoever was the worst, get rid of them. And when this would happen, my colleagues and I would look at each other just completely baffled. Like, what is this? We didn't understand it. But then I realized that at that level, you're dealing with a certain level of narcissism. So what I learned from that experience is that it doesn't have to be tolerated and you have to learn to call it out. So that was, that was one of my examples. We were all being bullied. It wasn't just me as a woman. It was all of us in the room and the behavior was accepted and nor, and it didn't change. It didn't change. So that is one of my favorite examples. Um, because it shows how the fear tactic was spread from person to person and it was with intention. So how do we continue to empower a shift into a place of perhaps where we can acknowledge the differences that exist, whether it be personality, you know, gender, race, whatever, in such a way that it's, it's, it's a good thing. And, right. and also take more of that strengths-based approach. Right. It's got to come from the top. It's got to come from the very top. We can't, and HR is great, but it's got to be, it's got to be shown. It can't just be told. Do you know what I mean? And I hear this all the time lately with DEI uh, presentations, organizations, they're bringing in their stuff, they're doing these things, but nothing's changing. You know why? Because it's not getting to the top. The top person isn't saying, CEO, this is how we're going to do things from now on. And I feel like if it's not Presented that way, people just check a box and say, "Oh yeah, I'm a, I'm an ally. I'm a this. I'm a that." And then nothing nothing changes. Nothing changes. So start from the top. So what does that look like? Empowering the the CEOs to take action and make these. Types. Yeah, go ahead. CEO needs to lead the conversation on this and say, "Hey, look, this is what we're going to do. I'm an active part of this. I am watching. I am here." You know, these are the changes we want to get out of doing something like this. And guess what? We're going to have a hotline. We're going to have a hotline for people who need to call in and talk about things. Because, you know, I think something from our past, Aaron, especially medical device sales, we kept our mouths shut. We didn't say much. We were like, just keep your head down, keep going. But I think this is a time when we actually need to be more vocal about what we're hearing or seeing. Because we have to keep those changes moving. We have to keep moving or we're not going to get anywhere. So you are now an empowerment author and confidence career coach. So yes. you've taken this journey, this, this beautifully intentional and intense journey, and you've honed your craft in the coaching sector. Tell us what inspires you to do the work that you do today. Reinvention. Reinvention. Because I came out of corporate thinking, what else am I going to do? I mean. All I know is spreadsheets and sales calls and quotas and numbers. I'm like, what, what is my purpose? My purpose isn't to do quarterly business reviews. 
you know, if you look at it that way, you're like, no, that's not my purpose. So it's like, I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to help people reinvent themselves because I'm going through it. So that's where my passion came in for this coaching that I do, because I knew I wasn't alone. There were so many women and men out there who wanted to do the same thing, but they just didn't know how to get started. You know, I talk about corporate America a lot. It's not a horrid, horrible place. It's not. It served me for years and years and years. I'm just trying to say it's okay to get out and do your own thing because as a client, you're probably more equipped than anybody else to become your own business owner. So that's what I empower people to do. And I want them to have the confidence to do it. So we're both coaches, right? And, and so we know, but maybe the listeners don't know, what are some of the, what are some of the challenges with being a coach? What is, what is it that a coach, what kind of work is a coach doing to be able to show up powerfully for the client? I think addressing what has been holding them back. That's the first thing. Because typically, and you know, as a coach too, when they come to your program, if they need help with confidence, it's typically has to do with their own limiting beliefs or dealing with imposter syndrome. And those uh, feelings were typically created in their previous life. So that's the first thing I think we have to recognize and overcome because if they want change, they have pain somewhere. And what about the coach? What kind of work is the coach doing? What kind of inner work is the coach doing to be able to show up powerfully for the client? Oh, I think about them. I think about them. I think about what's important to them. I think about where I need to meet them. And you probably do the same thing because I'll have calls with people sometimes and they're not there that day and that's okay. We'll recalibrate on the next call. I think we have to allow them to go through their own process. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, as a coach, I think too, it's, um, it's often overlooked how much our clients are reflections of us, you know, talk about this in um, a recent uh, coaching program I went through and it's like, you know, all of our clients are reflections of us. So clients aren't the only people doing work. Right. We're doing it too. We have to stay, we have to stay elevated. We have to stay confident and excited and think about taking care of these people. That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. That's so wonderful. So as we begin to wind down today, this is, there are a lot of nuggets in this conversation. I am really looking forward to listening to this one again. So tell me, what is it that's inspiring you today? You talked about reinvention, right? Mm -hmm. But what is it that is inspiring you today to stay in this space, to not, you know, let's say make a move and go, you know, back in the traditional workforce to continue to do the grind that's involved in, in, in being a business owner. I mean, any of us who are business owners and entrepreneurs know, I mean, whether it's a hundred plus million dollar company or a 10,000 plus million dollar company, it's, you know, it's, it's a conscious daily practice, right? So what keeps you going? Because I know that half of the workforce is women now. I think it's 50% now. And I know that they're going to be going through the same things. And if I stop now, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. So that's why I keep going. I also love seeing my clients be successful and watching them grow and soar and 
see their businesses take off. Cause I'm like, all right, we did it. We did it. Let's do it again. So you're a coach. You're doing a lot of giving. Yes. How you, how are you supported? What does your support system look like? Um, Netflix and wine. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> Just a little bit. Um, uh, I have a tremendous support group of women that I'm great friends with that, um, are like-minded individuals and we support each other. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I reach out to them. We get each other. It's unconditional. And, um, that's what gets me through besides Netflix and wine. All good choices. And that makes for a pretty solid support system. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So Holly, you've shared a lot today. You've shared about your book. You've shared about your practice. You've also shared about, you know, just a little more about the work you do and your journey, which I know there are listeners that are resonating with this right now who are nodding their heads or, and, or asking questions and we'll have more questions for you and want to reach out to you and learn more. So we're going to have your links in the description of the podcast, but can you tell us where uh, they can, listeners can find you? You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn under my name. And you can find me at hollycaplin.com. Those are probably the easiest ways to catch up with me. Perfect. Fantastic. Holly, so before we wrap up for today, two more quick questions that I'll fire out. Are our leaders our readers? So uh, other than your book, obviously, do you have any books that you would recommend that you've read that have been transformative or supportive for you in any way? One of my favorite books, it's a sales book. It's, it's old. It's negotiating to yes. It's one of my, it sounds so silly. It's one of my favorite books. Oh yeah. I've used it throughout my entire career. It never goes away. You know what I'm talking about? You know which book I'm talking about? It? Yeah. It's so cool, but I love it. I love it. It still works today. Oh, so fantastic. And you've shared so much great guidance throughout this conversation today. Is there anything additional or final, or just to kind of summarize what you've shared that you can share with our listeners to kind of help them get started on this pathway or, or to keep going? Yes. For your listeners to be confident, be confident and know that you can break out if you choose to leave corporate America and start your own business and do your own thing. And secondly, be vocal. If you are in a situation where you feel uncomfortable or you feel like your boundaries have been crossed, please be vocal because it's the only way we're going to get any change. Mm. So fantastic, Holly. Thank you so much. And uh, for our listeners, thanks for being here. Please check out Holly's links on LinkedIn and hollycaplin.com. See you next time. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, visit aaronjewelconsulting.com. 